The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. At Zed, we're all about moving with the times. And now it's time to be part of the climate change solution and move on from fossil fuels. As a company providing fuel to people all over the country, we also know we have a real opportunity to lead that change. We're committed to keeping Aotearoa moving by providing the right energy for everyone. We believe that innovation in fuel and how it's used can make a huge difference to our planet. Find out more at z.co.nz. Kia and welcome to the Offspin podcast brought to you by the Spinoff and Coffee Supreme as always and we're coming to you today on a Sunday after one of the most insipid and kind of pathetic Black Caps performances that we've seen in a long long time but also felt like hearkening back to an earlier day before you know the team was good. Uh, Simon Day, co-host of The Offspin, initial thoughts on just how tragic that was. That's the key for me, was it reminded me of the masochistic old days of being a Black Caps fan when there was never any hope of really winning and just made me realise the amount of time I've invested in watching the Black Caps lose specifically to Australia and well, I was embarrassed today for the team and the way they played and felt really upset for my friends who had just waited for months and months for this game at Lords, my friends in London, and it was a beautiful day, it started so well, and then the way we approached chasing those runs just was pathetic. I felt so sorry for them, they were had their hearts broken uh, by the Black Caps, but Ultimately, it reminded me of how much I hate Australian cricketers and Cricket Australia and Australia. And I have to acknowledge that I'm half Australian. My dad's Australian. My His family is all there. And I love them very much. But uh, I, I hate Australian cricketers mm. and, like and Cricket Australia so much. It's like David Warner thing, isn't it? You know, the closer an Australian is to Dave Warner the more you're allowed to hate them. And I'm, I'm going to give your family the benefit of the doubt and say they're very far away from Dave Warner. Far, far, far away. But he's not the only one. You know, the, the pre-game interview with Justin Langer was frightening. Mm. He he seems more deranged than Simon Dool. Um And now he's, a, he's on my top 10 hate list after it's... watching. And the smugness, him and seeing, seeing the... Uh, the TV cut to him and Punter um, on the balcony at Lords, and the way they're just sitting there smirking just makes me so angry. Yeah. Well, they had elite honesty, and now they've got elite smugness, so that's fantastic for them. Um, we've also got a very cool guest in today, a writer, a musician, a cricket tragic, a Wellingtonian. Coffee, I, coffee fanatic. A coffee fanatic, uh, Samuel Flynn Scott. Good morning. Good morning. Um, you've, bad morning. Well, bad morning. Bad yeah. morning to you both. It's it's kind of just convention that you say good morning to people, I suppose. But you you are correct. It is a 
It is a bad one. It is a horrible, horrible dark day. It was like, it was such a pathetic chase. And it, it's a real shame because the bowlers did do a good job. I think Kane's captaincy in the middle overs was confusing. Mm. Um, and there's a certain position that Australia hold over us where, you know, we, we can just lose that sense of fight. Mm. And the, yeah, the chase was, the chase was really under control for quite a while. And it looked like we were really panicking when it wasn't actually a panic situation. It wasn't a panic situation. Well, so that's the th- they, they couldn't hit it off the square. Williamson and mm. Taylor, the two best batsmen in the team, I think they went an eight over stretch or thereabouts uh, without hitting a single boundary. They weren't even getting that many singles. No. That's no. the thing. They weren't really rotating the strike um, off, you know, average spin. And it's like, well, okay, maybe it was a turning pitch. You know, maybe Smith was, you know, being, you know, his crappy bowling was mm. looking better because of the, because of the conditions. No, but, but he still was bowling full tosses. To That's when I started to freak out and become concerned was when he bowled three full tosses in and over. And they got hit out to the cover sweeper for singles. So it's like we would, you know, normal balls you should be getting a single off with dots and then full tosses were getting us a single. Mm. Amazing cricket. Thrilling. Listeners might, uh, you might be aware that we're sort of already getting into kind of quite a negative vibe about this <laughs> one. And, I mean, well, I mean, Simon, you were you were up all night and then you went to bed uh, for you know a half an hour or whatever. But uh, you've been up basically all night fr- through to here, haven't you, Sam? I have, and it's the first um, one where where I have done the full all nighter. There've been games where I have just been like waking up and checking quick info every mm, half an hour, mm. like some kind of um, just terrible habit. But yeah, um, yeah. I feel it's actually quite hard doing a podcast in this state of mind because I feel like I've just gotten off a long haul flight, you know, drinking oh, yeah. beer and <laughs> wine and coffee all night long. Um, Supreme coffee, of course. Mm. Uh, and Black eating extra meals, you know, that you don't need. It's very long haul flighty so i feel like kind of feel a little bit dirty yeah my eyes are really scratchy slightly seasick kind of feeling we had um we had uber eats from the white lady but the broadway newmarket version which i can't remember its name arrive at three in the morning and it was it just not it's not healthy the state i'm in at the moment last Mm. last podcast i um sort of campaigned for this idea that i'd come up with that you can survive on one sleep every two days i heard you saying that and i I I just retract that i've um (laughs) i'm falling apart Uh, i think maybe i was riding the victory train right yeah Yeah. and after the loss to pakistan and this sort of debilitating uh loss to australia i um i'm a little worse for wear Mm. a little bit sad well, it was it was debilitating in that way as well, and that uh, the Pakistan game sort of felt like a good close game, but this one we're coming into about maybe hour five or six of the complete despondency uh, that came with the particular game that we've just seen, and uh, I mean that's a long time uh, to keep your body going under that sort of duress of knowing how badly it was bottled, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it. it... It felt like we were going to lose so early on in our run chase, mm. and it just seemed so inevitable. And it, it it was almost a body language thing, 
you know and oh, that's yeah and that's always the toughest thing to ascertain isn't it like those sort of mind games sort of bits of commentary but maybe there's actually something in it oh totally and it's I, I think having I do think having Ponting in the coaching team for Australia has been really good for their kind of evil Slytherin sort of mm. um, ways mm. and he just you know he looks like a witch and then when him and Smith sit next to each other they look like kind of father and son kind of man witches they've just got those sort of pointy beaks because <laughs> steve smith is almost like ponting the second yeah he has all the hateable characteristics oh, I, I don't did agree. you see how the cricket ball was falling apart as well and they were so the aussies were like passing the ball around and they were like bits flaking off it and they were sort of laughing and showing the umpire and he was like oh it's like no one sort of mentioned it. it's like why is that ball so destroyed and then there was another bit where ponting was was um yabbering away and they were filming him and uh um Lango sort of nudging him going like you know there's a we're on we're on tv stop he was like stop talking about that you know they're using lip readers they were just doing some other cheating bullshit i was living in melbourne and working in a um high-end restaurant in federation square and i had to work christmas day and ricky ponting came in and had christmas uh lunch just him and his wife no friends no family just a loser in this restaurant on christmas day (laughs) i guess he at least he wasn't working their marriage or something and you uh, you're out here calling him a loser that's it that's a bit harsh i i beg to differ you know shane warns not having christmas alone eh? he's he would have like a massive entourage mm. he'd be surrounded by yes men yeah they they would probably all be people who um are trying to sell him diet pills or something though mm. so there'd be people pills. handing out cigarettes and on silver trays <laughs> i loved when you guys had mark craig in here and he was talking about having a few darts i love that cricketers all call cigarettes darts they all do it and they all seem to smoke yeah, well, you would, wouldn't you? I mean, it's it's a, a heavily mentally taxing game uh, that sort of attracts people who um, have quite obsessive personalities at times. I mm. think, which would you know, I'm not a psychologist, so please don't take. This but you are a smoker, well, ex-smoker. Actually, I've been quit for a month. All right, wait yeah, till wait bit, till the cricket season starts. Well, it's about the twelfth time I've quit in the last two years, so I think this one's really going to stick. But it's, you know, it, it's sort of the very nature of cricket by how you, you know, you repeat the same action, ball after ball after ball with subtle variations each time. That's very, very similar to the uh, addictive nature of smoking, I think, or, or any sort of addiction, really, where after a while it becomes very, very similar each time. Uh, but you've got yourself so locked into it that you just kind of need to keep going. Kind of like an addiction to cricket. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, I mean, between the three of us, we've probably uh, got about oh, maybe 50 years of, of cricketing despair, like true, true cricketing anguish between us. Well, I mean, people who've, you know, only gotten into it recently, I think they need to know about Lee on. you know, they mm. need to know about those days when really... You just watched the cricket knowing you were going to lose mm. every time. Mm. And uh, just how truly dark. and some of, some of that chase, some of that just 
disastrously slow batting re- reminded me of Chris Harris. Right. <laughs> what were you were you going for a respectability well, chase? Well, when you you're sev- when you're seventy for four or five, and he sort of noodles his way to thirty or forty, and we sort of know we're never going to get anywhere near it. And I think Williamson bowling himself was he was kind of looking for the new Gavin Larson maybe. There was a lot of debate going on at the time. I, I understood, and but I just didn't understand it at all. Um, it was, I guess he was spinning it away from the left-handers, and he took a wicket and didn't go for many runs. But he actually bowled a good spell, but it just seemed like it was he had one plan and he stuck to it. It almost felt like he was happy with restricting Australia to 240. Yeah, but that should have been chased down. I mean, even on that surface, surely. Well, they're surely. very, very, very good at bowling. They are. Yeah. And they've... And it fucks me off so much how they're always really good at bowling. The thing that freaked me out was when it seemed like we were really being crushed and we were five down, and it just seemed like Stark had been bowling the whole time, and then it was like, oh, he's got five overs left. Mm. He'd just been coming on and bowling like a single over and getting a wicket, and then they'd bowl Maxwell again when we were all kind of shell-shocked. And Well, I think that was... I mean, I don't want to try and decipher what was going on in your head, but I think that was probably to do with uh, the absolute relentlessness of Berendorf. Yeah. Who is, I mean, who is Berendorf? You know, where did that guy come from? Probably yet, Lothlorien or something yeah. with that name. <laughs> he, he was just metronomic, you know? He was bowling beautifully. The and... best bowler in the world is just at home as well in Josh Hazelwood. He's just, yeah. has, hasn't made a recovery from injury and yeah. they, they uh... can just leave him out and replace him with another Glenn McGrath lookalike. Mm. Mm. But who's left left arm, and it oh, makes me so angry. And where is that for the Black Caps in a way from the you know the the lesser known bowlers, as it were? Like where is that kind of really? Uh, you know, are we getting that out of De home or Nisham? Not hugely, not really. They they you know they're bowling pretty well as a unit. I don't want to get too down on the bowling because I think I think it was kind of a bit of a funny move even though it was turning I think it was a funny move bringing in Ish for this game and I think it was a reaction to the fact that they really should have had him the last game I think we would have potentially been better off with Henry and just having just a little bit more strike power well Lords is a Henry deck you know the slope the pace the the history yeah you know Matt Henry is as close as we've got to Glenn McGrath and Glenn McGrath is the greatest bowler to ever bowl at Lords and I don't know. Gary Steed is confusing to me. <laughs> I the the fact that we know we've got one game left and there's players who you feel like they should have had a game mm. at some point and now it's like we can't we we sort of have to win this game. Pakistan are probably going to end on the same points and uh, you know if we lose to England badly then it'll be a real close thing with the run rate we find out tomorrow night basically whether or not we're definitely in the semi-finals or not so if england lose exactly we're in if england lose we're in uh and if england win as well the net run rate is still not bad i mean remember right at the start of the tournament there was that absolute demolition job of sri lanka Lanka, which is still uh you know it's still holding up basically Um, well, you know, so it's good. Munro's could be the person who actually gets us to the semis. <laughs> what, with a, a 30 with off the, 20 or something? Yeah, that, that little cameo in yeah, the first, yeah. in the, it was 60 or something, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, was, I thought you were suggesting that he might be brought back for the next game, which I oh, think is I really... probably unlikely. Nichols? Well, I just don't understand. I mean, Nichols, 
was doing a good job when he, you know, got brought in for Munro. Was it in the Bangladesh series or India. something? I can't remember. Or India. But um, he only, you know, went out for injury. And I just feel like, you know, if this was Steve Hansen, if it was the All Blacks, when the player comes back from injury who's been doing the job in that position, they're straight back in the team in that position. And that's how you actually build confidence in a team. It's not by mm. kind of going... Well, we won. We're not going to make any changes. You go. No, this is the senior player, and if something you know out of their control happens, then they get go back to their position. So I just thought it was always weird that they were like, "No, we're sticking with Munro." When that's clearly not a World Cup for like dashing at the start. No one's doing it. Yeah, it hasn't. It hasn't played out like that at no. all. And I wonder if there's a little bit of a. Uh, you know, that was not what people thought this World Cup was going to be like at the start. It, yeah. it looked like it was going to be 350 being chased down every second game. Yeah. But it hasn't happened in the slightest. And now we're in a position where uh, the way that the pitchers are playing, it seems like we've sort of slightly got the wrong squad for it. I mean, on these sorts of pitches, is Munro really someone that you would you would have in the 15-person squad? No. But who would you have there? See, my theory still stands that oh, yeah. the only way that we win the World Cup is if Colin Munro scores 60 off 30 and, you know, we have a blinder and at the start and it means that we can fuck around in the middle again and, mm. and hopefully uh, hit a few boundaries near the end. But, but we're just the, not the way, that good otherwise, well, you know? The way that the openers have been playing in the in the later stage of the tournament, though, not neither Gupta nor Munro ever actually looked like hitting that 60 off 30, as it were, because they, no. had, they had had a few failures in a row and had really started to go into their shell yep. in that way. So it's... The shell right. seems to be fossilising around Martin Gupta as well. Well, yeah. I think, you know, he... he um, he's looked a bit better today, I reckon, and it was, a, it was a good ball that got him. I don't know. He's had a few really awesome balls to to, to rattle him this tournament. He's very prone to falling over his front leg, though, and getting out LBW. That's true. Okay. Mm. And he got a, a very close not-out decision uh, go his way just before that as well. So I'm, I'm not with you on that. But I think I actually was kind of asleep in the moment he got out. Speaking of falling asleep, asleep, can I please have some uh, cold brew? Sam has very yes. kindly... Made us this coffee supreme cold brew by hand. Beautiful natural sound there. How do you do that? Well, you just uh, kind of take the lid off it. No, the cold. How do you make a cold brew? Uh, well, I got sent the Black Caps espresso, you know, espresso roast stuff from Coffee Supreme, and I actually this is this is real good sponsors content because I actually um, subscribe to Coffee Supreme, but oh, I get I've got one of those as well. Yeah, it's great. You got the filter. Blend one or one of those things, or you yeah, get, yeah, 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 yeah. I think we get boxer. Right. I I always get like a rotating single origin thing because I'm a total nerd, um, and so I'm not going to use the espresso roast to make filter coffee with. So um, you basically cold brew is pretty easy. You just chuck coffee in a jar, or I've got a little special cold brew thing. Cold brew thing. I can hardly fucking talk today. I can't even <laughs> say fuck properly. I just said fucking. Can hardly fucking talk. Um, More coffee. You just put coffee yeah. and water in a container for, t- for sort of eighteen hours, mm. and then get rid of the beans in whatever way you can. It's very easy, and it's just very clean. 
Enjoy. Mm. I like it. That is delicious as well. I'm, it's delicious. It's cool to know that it can do that at home on my own. From something we love in Coffee Supreme to going back to something we hate. Something we hate? Can, can we choose our most hated individual Australian cricketer and, and briefly hate them and then could, maybe move on? Could we make mm-hmm. a rule that you can't pick Warner for this? Yeah, no, mine isn't. We've talked enough about David Warner and how he's bad for humanity and probably more responsible for climate change than most other people. Oh, yeah, undoubtedly. Mine's James Faulkner. I hate to look at him. He's got really bad posture. He, he's got this evil um, sort of nemesis Bond villain vibe to him. Um, and he is so good at taking a potential Black Caps victory away from us. He, he again, just seems, seems like a bad person as well. Mm. I think so. Mm. I don't think he seems that evil. James uh, Faulkner, I hate him. I hate him. Should I jump in? Well, I mean, I think that mine is probably Ponting. And I think that just comes from just so many defeats. Just so many games in, in the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, where just uh, my heart was broken and he just looked so pleased with himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna, a prick. I'm going to go with uh, with Darren Lehman because mm-hmm. I think uh, someone who so actively embraces the nickname of Buff is yeah. really about, uh, you know, the, the worst traits of, and you could apply this to New Zealanders as well, but in my, in my mind, the worst trait of a subset of Australian culture is anti-intellectualism. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're a society that actively... Uh, glorifies coal at a time when you know their their entire country is in a state of drought you know due to climate change there are a society where so much of the media is owned by Rupert Murdoch and and you just get a, a general dumbing down of all of their discourse through that and I think it was really typified in the fact that for a long time the coach of the Australian team was someone who everyone agreed was best described by the term boof. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's it, it just it feels to me like that that sums up a lot about what is wrong with you know, you could argue the South Pacific as a whole right now. Well, I think that there's probably people who look at the All Blacks and have these same emotions mm. from outside of New Zealand. It could I actually change my answer as well? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Can I change it to Brad Haddon? Yes. Oh, oh absolutely. Absolutely change it to Fuck Brad Haddon. I want to do an honourable mention of uh, Adam Voges just for that double hundred he scored after getting bowled on a not no ball that was called a no ball at the Basin Reserve and that was just horrible. Ru- ruined my uh, four day weekend that I'd lined up in Wellington. Mm. Um, so one of the one of the things that people talk about with cricket is that it's uh, the experience of going to the cricket is what really makes it. You know, I I personally have extremely strong memories of every time I've been to the Basin Reserve to watch a test, even when it's involved a, a complete non-entity like Marcus North scoring a century against the Black Caps. But, you know, for for a game like this, is it possible, do you think, to have been at the ground, uh, to be completely in the atmosphere and, and we will have all have been in black caps games like this and still actually have a good day out at the cricket i'm not sure because most of the games i've been to have been test matches i haven't been to that many one dayers mm. and um my opinion is yes 
I've had great days while losing at the cricket, but I was a younger version of myself and I um, distracted myself from the loss, uh, probably through misbehaviour would be the right word. Mm. Um, but I don't know, a day out at Lords is pretty special. Um, mm. I love Lords. You get to BYO a bottle of wine or six beers. Really? Yeah. They have faith in humanity. Right. Rather than policing fun to the point where you have to go and extract it from naughty places, they say, look, bring in a bottle of Prosecco, bring in a nice buttery shard, come in with six craft beers and have a great day at the cricket. You know, go and have a jug of Pims on the outer oval um, mm. between innings. Have heaps of fun, just don't be a dick. I was um, at a test match at Lords, and I was yelling at Ryan Sidebottom about how his surname is a sex position and a, uh, <laughs> a security guard came over to me and was like, look mate, Lords is a family ground, if you could just keep it PG that'd be great. And I said, oh I'm very sorry, I can, I can be better. <laughs> and we both got on with our ways and it was a peaceful, positive outcome for everyone. I was very unruly at a um, Black Caps. I think it was a one day. I just can't even remember at the basin in the nineties that I um, I wagged school because it was right next to my high school. So we used to. Awesome. So me and the Cricket Boys Facebook Messenger group. Shout out to the Cricket Boys. We've so many messages the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, we would go and um, climb a tree that was outside the basin and just jump the fence and. Usually the security guards would see you and they'd just sort of give you a wave and it was fine. Um, and I think one day we wagged school, we went to regional wines and spirits, which had a very relaxed policy on um, the age you could be when you bought alcohol, went into a bush somewhere, got drunk, climbed the fence. And I like was really rude to Chris Cairns, who was um, signing autographs and stuff in the, in the, in the stands. That showed impressive foresight. I know. Actually. I loved him at the time. He was like my hero. And I was like, you fucking prick. Cause I, yeah, I molded my body uh, bowling action on Chris Kens. I, I have some regrettable uh, sort of days at the cricket thinking back on them now. I was actually on the front page of the Dominion Post under the headline, It's Just Not Cricket. Uh, wow. hur hurling abuse at Brett Lee. I won't quote my exact uh, chant that I led 400 people in. Uh, at, at Brett at the time, but the I was responsible for the front two rows not being sold at the um, at Westpac the next game. They had to keep the fans away from the Australian team because of me. You're like mm. the travelling gypsies who destroyed Takapuna Beach last year. <laughs> ba basically. Um, but I, I would like to just take this opportunity to apologise to Brett Lee. I still hate you, but... What I said about you that day just wasn't nice or true. It's funny how, like with the um, Big Bash and stuff, how many Australian cricketers you get to see, um, you know, yarning away in front of the camera. And some of them seem quite nice, and it's really disturbing. And Brett Lee seems quite nice. And a couple of things I've seen, he just seemed quite casual. And what quite do nice. you, as a musician, have you listened to um, Six and Out? Is that Six and Out. I've, yeah. I've heard one track, yeah. What do you think? I thought it was pretty bad. Okay, I don't. I was That's just a like, shame. yeah. Should we? I mean, because uh, as some listeners might be aware, our theme music think I is listened. actually by Sam Flynn Scott. And should we replace our theme music with Six and Out? 
Do you well, if you want. No, I love Pink I mean, Cola. Can you tell us a little bit about the theme track? I've had so much positive feedback about it. Oh, it reminds good. a friend of this very amazing VHS uh, video that we watched uh, in our flat in Dunedin called The 101 Greatest Moments of the 1992 Cricket World Cup. And it had a soundtrack oh. just like that. Yeah. Our favorite uh, greatest moment of that vi- in, within that video is number 64 or something was just Kirtley Ambrose beating the bat. It was just a really good delivery <laughs> and everyone goes, ooh. And no one hit a four or a six or uh, took a wicket. Kirtley just really beautifully beat the bat. That is so, so pure. Yeah. Mm. What, one of the hundred greatest moments of the 1992. Oh, I Cup. think, you know, a batsman getting squared up is just such a kind of beautiful, tense moment. It's like something mm. going wrong in a in a you know, a car park when someone takes your park or something and everyone kind of goes, whoa, what's going to happen next? There's just this <laughs> instant yeah. tension. Um, but that track, Pink Cola, it's just, you know, me, a white guy trying to make something that sounds a bit African or something and it just sounds all wrong and 80s and like, I guess probably like wh- whoever the dude was who made the music for that um, that cricket video. So, uh I just was. I was. I made it for a film, and you needed something for the podcast. And I'm very glad that I had that lying around because I certainly wasn't going to make anything at that eleventh hour. So it was good. It's perfect it's good that it worked, and it does sound very crickety. There's something about it. Yeah. Something yeah. about kind of fake calypso that just is was perfectly. It, cricket. You know the summeriness of it, or something. Mm. You know, it feels like it, it kind of puts me in the headspace of sitting on a grass embankment. Uh, Possibly with a cheap beer and a plastic cup, uh, you know, maybe, maybe sort of late afternoon sun coming in. It's that kind of. It, it really takes you to a place where I think we all like to imagine cricket lives. Yeah. The reality of cricket is so often uh, much more grim, much more depressing. But it's that like track a really... laptop with an illegal live stream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, hunched over it yeah. in the middle of the night, uh, trying not to wake up your partner, that yeah. sort of thing. But speaking of a live cricket reality, I discovered at the Basin Reserve during that um, Australia test where Adam Voges got an undeserved 200, that you can have four paracetamol and four neurofen if it's at the first time you have it on, in the day. I often get a late afternoon headache from drinking and shouting. Mm-hmm. And I went and visited the St. John's ambulance <laughs> yeah. at the ground and said, I have a headache from drinking and shouting. Can you help? And they said, sure. Have you had any paracetamol or um, ibuprofen today? And I said, no. And they said, here's eight pills. Take them all. <laughs> Take them all immediately and you'll feel great. I reckon you could have taken less and still probably felt okay. No, but I felt like the placebo effect of taking eight pills. I was excited. And you it need to instant. chug a lot of water as well to get those down. Was that maybe what happened there? No, I had them dry. I crunched them. Oh, my God. You animal. I, sometimes I do turn into an animal at the cricket. Yeah. It mm. does bring out the worst in us sometimes as well. And I, I do wonder if that's because, you know, cricket culture is basically spend a day getting sunburnt, getting steadily drunker, getting more irritable and tired. Uh, and if it doesn't go your way, actually, there was a, a, an example of that just overnight. Uh, Afghanistan and Pakistan supporters, after the match, there was some quite serious clashes. It was during, oh, the, really? during the match as well. Uh, right near the end stages or something? Or? I, I saw um, videos on Twitter uh, with 
sort of 15 overs to go still with oh, right. quite uh, savage violence going on outside, which is really sad because uh, the, go- the way the Afghanistan um, well. guys who came in and talked to us about it, they they said part of that rivalry is based on the fact that they are so close. You know, it's, mm, yeah. it's their brothers. They often, you know, there are a lot of Pashtun players in, in both teams and to see it descend into violence was uh, really, really sad. Mm. That is sad. And, I mean, it was quite an amazing game. I I really thought Afghanistan were going to win that. They blew it again. Yeah. Totally blew it. It's great. It was very exciting, though, for Afghanistan to to know that they did blow three games. Well, what was up with their captain bowling himself? It was just like, Sad. this is making a very bad call and losing the game for your team. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on here? Maybe he knows that when they all get back, there's going to need to be some scapegoats, and he's, he's nobly just... taking it upon himself. To be that scapegoat. I wouldn't mm. want to be a scapegoat in Afghanistan, though. Yeah, no. That has some Colombian soccer vibes <laughs> to it. It does. Oh, man. What I've found um, interesting, Sam, is the way you've incorporated cricket into your music. Have you... I have to try really hard to maintain my professionalism and my and my job and not let cricket keep creeping into <laughs> it. Not always writing cricket stories. Not... Yeah. Not spending a week uh, pitching the cricket podcast to potential sponsors and actually do what I'm meant to be doing. Do you find it hard to to not write songs about cricket and not have cricket be the constant theme of your music? Um, oh, totally. It's just all I. It's all I want to sing about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I've only really written one cricket song. We'd made a cricket music video, but the song wasn't specifically about cricket. Um, and that was the one that had Dion Nash and um, Lou Vincent in it. But then we did have the the full-blown cricket um, rock ballad anthem from the last World Cup, which we we basically, we were flying to Auckland to play the Tatarangi Music Festival, and um, our flight was delayed, and they said it was going to be delayed by like six hours, and we were all with our gear in our little studio. And um, I we were just like, what, what should we do? Why don't we just write a song for the black caps because it was like the day after the um south africa semi or something like that and i was like let's Mm. you know let's write something about the boys um the boys the boys is it a whole is it a whole band thing that obsession no most of us to you know to different degrees at different times but um everyone was very keen on you know, I think this is, there's a thing in, you know, when you're in a band or, you you know, you're doing any sort of creative industry where if you have a stupid idea, you have to do that idea straight away. Mm. That's exactly how this podcast it. was born. Yep. Right, yeah. Yep. And we did it. And then we were like, this would be great with a saxophone on it. And so we um, rang our friend Lucien, who um, has played, he's an incredible saxophone player, has played with everyone. And uh, he was like, we were like, we need a saxophone solo on our cricket song and he's a cricket fan too and he was like I'll be there five minutes and he pulled up uh, in a in an Uber like five minutes later with a leather jacket on his sunglasses on he's very handsome holding a saxophone he literally got out of the taxi with his saxophone around his neck and like walked into the studio where we had a mic set up for him he like kind of heard about a third of the song like this is what it's like play a solo here and here 
and then we pressed record and the you know first take was him just riffing on it it was just one of those awesome like live aid kind of music <laughs> moments <laughs> it felt like yeah. phil collins getting out of a helicopter or something <laughs> and then the song we we uploaded it to soundcloud by like midday that day and then we went and got our flight to auckland and by the time of the gig um it was being tweeted about by like indian um you know indian cricket websites and stuff were tweeting about it and it got like 60,000 listens or something in like 24 hours and then it's had no no listens since then since that day (laughs) well maybe we will put it on the uh the podcast page and it might get three or four more three or four more you really it really showed the power of like the of the indian cricket media though it was just this instantaneous just Well, do you think it, part of it as well had uh, had the Black Caps gone on to win that final? Do you think it would have become the soundtrack of one of the greatest moments in, in New Zealand sporting history? It could have, it could have, and it should have. But I think we actually jinxed them, and it's our fault. And I'd like to apologise to the Black Caps mm. for doing that. See, that was a, know, that well, was another heartbreaking Australian New Zealand cricket day out for me. I was at the MCG that day, and I'll never forget it. Oh, I almost went, and I'm so glad I didn't. Um, but I got, I did get a message from the, um, their media liaison person at the time saying, we, we, you know, thanks for writing the song. We're going to play it to the boys the day of the game to really get them in the mood. <laughs> Brendan really did want to keep the run rate up yeah, that day. It's called Big Mac Brackets Run Rate, which is a nickname that no one had ever called him before, but we decided his, his nickname was Big Mac. He's not a very big fellow. No, but he's got a big heart. He's metaphorically huge. Which is a, a, actually a lyric in, this, in the song, I think. Oh, no, that's about Kane Williamson. Mm. Have you stayed in touch with Lou Vincent? I haven't. I wish I had. He was a nice guy. I, I don't I, care that he match-fixed at all. Who cares? He I, was treated I, like shit by the New Zealand selectors. I bump into him annually at Splore. Um, right. He sort of appears to emerge from the forest uh, right. in body paint. Uh, and it's always really nice to see him that's at sort of four in the morning and in a caravan listening to some deep african house right he's a good dude i think he was just definitely bullied into the match fixing by (laughs) well this is either an awkward cut back in or we've talked to the lawyers and they've let us uh publish sam's defamation so that was an exciting uh 60 seconds in the podcast just then i think lou vincent was led astray by an evil force in new zealand cricket who was an honorary Australian cricketer within New Zealand that's, cricket history. That's an interesting way to condemn that man now. Mm. Well, I mean, the, the fixing itself happened in that league that was almost explicitly set up for fixing, right? Yeah, it seemed to be. Uh, like, what other reason was there to have a like a rival rebel cricket league except as an avenue for match fixing, you know? I think they should have match-fixing sports, and I think they should have steroids sports. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I think It would be so much better than the than the WWE sort of version of, like, everyone knows it's scripted and you're watching for the drama. What like, if you were just watching to see the absolute limits of human physicality being pushed by, mm. you know, fixing, roids, anything goes? No rules. Well, it'd be great to be like, you know, imagine the articles that would be like, was that fixed? You know, and like no one's like worried about it. They're just actually trying to work out which bits, you know, were fixed mm. and who was making money out of what. And mm. it'd be a good story. It'd be interesting. Crime is exciting. It is. It's hugely exciting. But if you make it not a crime, does that make it less exciting in a way? I guess it does. Yeah. I reckon, uh, is it Alex Carey? Yeah. Looks like Ray Liotta. 
He's intimidating. He has those piercing gangster eyes. Speaking of crime, those piercing gangster eyes. Mm. He mm. he looks like he would know how to get a deal done, and he kind of did today. He really did. Uh, he, he was the difference for sure. I mean, Kawaja kind of looked like he was going to get out constantly. He just looked kind of terrible, but managed to stay there. But Carrie, as soon as he started batting, I was just like, oh, this guy's just, he's got the thing. He's got that thing that's going to, crush our souls well that, that's been Kwaja's thing in the last couple of years I think he he was kind of the only uh really the only work, good performing batsman in Australia's team during the uh the 12 month bans mm. uh and he's kind of made it his job to only perform when everyone else is failing around him like and uh, he never really seems to cash in on easy runs it's always when it's at the most absolute difficult moment that he like waddling yeah a little bit yeah yeah oh well good for him so uh we'll we'll wrap it up there and our next episode is going to be after uh the new zealand england game which is going to be thursday morning uh we're gonna know before that game whether or not it's a sudden death must win match because as we've said before india versus england tonight that is <laughs> That's pretty much where the entire hopes of the nation's campaign rest on now. Uh, and I'd just very quickly like to thank Samuel Flynn Scott again for coming in. Oh, my pleasure. I don't know if you got much good content out of me. I've been, I've been really enjoying the podcast, and there have been some great tidbits from some great cricket minds. So. Mm. Oh, we've, we've I thought your, thoroughly your cricket it. mind stood up to anyone else we've oh. had on the pod so far. Um, and thank you again for that music because it, it really is. Star- I'm starting to dream about it. You know, it's starting to sound like cricket to me. As I fall to sleep, pink cola sort of fades in, and as I wake up again, pink cola fades me out. We should release it as a single, but with you guys just talking about cricket over the top of it, I, almost I'd, like a rap. I'd rap. Just kind of talking. <laughs> I got rhymes. I got bars. Okay, <laughs> oh, great. God no. <laughs> um, and before we go out and hear pink cola again. Uh, we're going to go out with a match report sent to us by food editor of the spin-off, Alice Neville, uh, who has been at Lord's Cricket Ground reviewing uh, reviewing the, the alcohol situation there, reviewing the food situation there, the ground experience generally, and just what it's like to be at the home of cricket to watch the Black Caps uh, fall apart and fuck Australia because we spent this whole podcast hating on them so much because of what they did to us today that we forgot to even talk about Trent Bolt's beautiful hat trick. Yeah. Oh, I know, I know, it's ridiculous. That was amazing. We have let them live he free in our heads. He should have, he should have had that hat trick opportunity sort of fifteen overs earlier, Kane. Yeah, I'll we republish. Brendan McCullum was going to go on and on about it if they didn't bowl him when I'll, they were five down. I'll re-social my column for you, Kane. Read it again. All right. So this has been the Offspin brought to you by Coffee Supreme. Right now you're about to hear the voice of food editor Alice Neville. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again in about four days. Kia ora, listeners of the Offspin. I am here at Lord's. Uh, I'm sitting in the tavern stand, as you may hear mainly surrounded by New Zealand fans. There's a few sprinkle, sprinklings of Australians. But no one is... Uh, Run! Yeah. What the shit?
behind me some some frustrated fans. Um, but it has been a wonderful day at Lords, the home of cricket. My first time here. Incredibly hot. You can take your own alcohol in, which for me, a fan of alcohol, is very exciting. We have multiple bottles of bubbly, but then it was too hot, so I switched to beer. As you may know, I am a beer fan. They did have an IPA. It's not like the best IPA I've ever had, but it's okay. My friend Lucy, who I'm here with, who is celiac, can't drink beer. has been on the GNTs. How have the GNTs been, Lucy? Yeah, I'm recording. How are the GNTs? Yeah, they're good. Um, particularly good are the curries in Lords. I've yes, had two curries today, a rendang and a just sort of general chicken curry, both quite good. Yeah, uh, made up for some sloppy cricketing. Second innings just as as much of life has been a letdown. You know, like you think something good is happening to you and then it all turns to shit. That's what's happened here at Lords today. But as Lucy said, very good curries. I had some samosas and what did I have before? I had a burrito, that was good. No queues, clean toilets, good vibes. A lot of posh English people, but mainly they don't associate with us. They're over in the pavilion, which is like the whitest, most boomerish thing I've ever seen. It's kind of amazing. Over and out. Hope you're missing me back there in the spin-off office. I'm missing you all very much. Bye. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.